Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. It is indeed the get right here on 105.3 The Fan. My name is Alec Medford, joined by Reginald Atatula. Rigo Mendoza holding things down for you. The Turn It On or Even On listener, we appreciate you so very much for joining us. Here tonight in this abbreviated edition, uh, thanks for sticking around for the Cowboys Hour featuring Cavante Turpin. Always a fun conversation with the speedster uh, weapon. I don't even want to call him an offensive player, a special teamer, what have you. He is just a weapon. It has been fun to see his growth and fun to get to know him a little bit better uh, with Christy Scales and Nicole Hutchison. The truckwreck.com text line is 877-881-1053, 877-881-1053 to get involved in any and all of our conversations here tonight with you until 11 o'clock p.m. And we've got a lot to get to because we have lots of happenings in the world of the National Football League. We have Monday Night Football on as we speak in the front half of the second quarter. It is the Jags and the Joe Burrowless uh Cincinnati Bengals, Bengals. Yep. yeah. I, I was just forgetting team names for it a happens. second, but it's knotted up at seven apiece, which uh, the Bengals did have a pretty fun team touchdown celebration after a Joe Mixon score, uh, which I am crying because I traded Joe Mixon to Carter Freeman. Thank you for not vetoing that trade, guys. But remember, uh, nobody cares about your fans. I know nobody cares, yep. but you know, yep. uh, it's it's still uh, it's, it's still cool. practice. For it, it's but, it's just I have to. It's a policy of the show. Yes, you have to mention yes. it every time it comes up. Yep. Absolutely, yep. and yep. fully yep. aware. I just like to talk. Uh, so we're gonna talk about these uh, NFC kind of paradigms, if you will, because did that San Francisco and Philadelphia matchup yesterday change the way that you view the NFC? 877-881-1053. Also, live on Twitch and YouTube. Twitch.tv slash Dallas FanCam 105.3 The Fan on YouTube. As well as you saw yesterday, uh, the highly touted matchup between two of the favorites in the NFC, the Eagles and the 49ers. And boy, was it a very unserious and uncompetitive football game as uh, the 49ers just absolutely routed the Eagles 42 to 19 at Lincoln Financial Field in the city of brotherly love. Uh, the Eagles get spanked at home. Brock Purdy was absolutely fantastic in that matchup. I was believe, he? He, yeah, he was on paper at least. And they, I want to say, it was six straight drives on offense that the 49ers scored a touchdown. That's correct. Uh, just very efficient game for the 49ers. Very impressive effort. 
And it's funny because the box score for the Eagles doesn't really look all that bad. Neither did the game, at least from my perspective, right? Because this is the thing that I took away more than anything is, oh, yeah, the Niners, when healthy, are a monster, right? The the things that we knew about the San Francisco 49ers is that schematically they have all of these things at at their disposal. They had those three weeks of less than stellar play, and people were like, oh, they are human. And you know what that humanity was? Trent Williams wasn't playing, right? Debo yep. Samuel wasn't playing or playing up to his like his highest abilities. Those guys, when they are healthy, like this is a team that is loaded with talent. And the reason why I bring that up and the reason why I kind of scoff when you mentioned like Brock Purdy played well, I understand the ways that we talk about uh, football in the NFL. We lean very much on a quarterback. And so with that being like the na- nature of the way that we build this, when we talk about a team, the first place we go is the quarterback, except that's not what you need to do with this Niners team. Brock Purdy keeps things on schedule, and he is very good at what they need him to do. However, I believe in this game, and you'll have to give me a second to actually get this number back in front of me. He did, in fact, throw for 314 yards, right? Like, he he definitely had the number that was big. Uh, with, out of those 314 yards, I believe something like 84 of them were air yards. Yeah. Which is to say... A large majority of them were not air yards, were yards after catch, things of that nature. And, I mean, I don't say that to try and knock him down, but I say it to try and point to the fact that this is a team of a whole bunch of dudes that can get things done, right? And it's not even just that they have other dudes, right? Because Christian McCaffrey has 17 touchdowns in 12 games, right? Um, Is that they have a dearth of, they have a whole bunch of them um, that they can go to. And so one thing you saw is within this, an Eagles team that was somewhat susceptible, particularly on defense, over the middle of the field. And then you see a team that is particularly good at attacking that, and they just went down and they scored what felt like every time down. And you compare that to the way that the Eagles were not efficient in that way. They had plenty of good drives. I mean, you look at you talk about the numbers on this thing, and they were, they were decently good at it, and now they weren't good at running the football. Um, but they were decently good about getting up the field. They still were able to get the ball to their playmakers through the air when you talk about A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, but they did not capitalize at the end, and a lot of that is you can give credit to the Niners' defense as well for being on their P's and Q's when it comes to uh, schematically and then also the talent that they have. Like This is, this is really tough when you talk about that Niners team um, because it ultimately feels like it comes down to a perfect meshing of schematics and players, which is scary for me, right? Like, I, I hate to be the dude who, like, ends up being somewhat uh, alarmist when it comes to uh, the NFC, but, like, and I know that there's people that, you know, will look at me and say, like, this is soft or whatever. Um, I really do. I try and lean on Bobby Belt when I mention this because I know Bobby Belt is very connected in that building of the star. Um, he views this as... This team has something that maybe even be like some might be like psychological in some ways when it comes to the Niners. And I couldn't blame them for looking at this team. Like the way that this team is built right now is scary. And so in some ways it did change the way that I viewed the NFC because look, the Eagles, we can continue to talk about that portion of it, but the Niners part of it is the part that really caught my attention because it feels like that's a machine and well oiled at that. And I'm right there with you. I think that's what I'm starting to take away from this more than anything is I always and really through most of that 10 win uh, resume that the Eagles have built up is my notion has been that's a beatable team that is Mm -hmm. just very good when it matters. 
that's what I was getting. Their touchdown conversion rate going into this game uh, when in the red zone was top five in the NFL, I believe, for the Eagles. So, And that's what bit them in this game was you kind of touched on it there was they just weren't able to beat that 49ers defense once they got inside of the 20. Achilles heel there. But for me, what I've taken away from this is that the 49ers are exactly who we feared that they would become and that they were. Uh, going into this season, whenever you saw them on the Cowboys schedule, whenever you saw Brock Purdy able to come back from that elbow injury, when you see a pretty much complete team coming back that just got stronger over the offseason, adding a couple of guys in free agency, uh, adding a Chase Young at the deadline. That's just a Brother. very deep team. So I, I think I just strengthened what I already imagined that kind of echoing what you said this is a very well-oiled machine on both sides of the football and for Brock Purdy you mentioned it was nothing crazy when you actually look at the level of play and what he did in that game it's just the fact that he has mastered this working hand in hand with Kyle Shanahan to the point where he knows exactly what his job is and he does it exactly the way he is supposed to not too much not enough you know, it's always right there in the middle, right where he needs to be. And Kyle Shanahan's game planning against other defenses that you think are better. Really, I don't think the Eagles defense is as good as people have talked about them. Oh, no, they definitely have some they definitely have some holes. Like one of them ones in particular is the middle of the field, which is why yeah. they were desperately hoping to get Shaquille Leonard. And today we learned that they did. Uh, unfortunate for your Dallas Cowboys. Exactly. So. Uh, the only thing that I really feared for the Niners was in that first quarter early in the game. You see their safety depth getting tested a little bit mm-hmm. uh, with a couple of early uh, injuries for them. But yeah, other than that, this is a really good team that just showed that they are the juggernaut of the NFC to this point. So I I think it kind of shifted a little bit of my view for the Eagles, just a little bit. Okay, But if anything... It just strengthened a belief that already permeated throughout this season about the 49ers. Well, one of the ways that it obviously changes this is that it adds a loss to the loss column for the Philadelphia Eagles, right? That is a 10-8-2 team that is coming into AT&T Stadium next week, and now you have the opportunity with a win versus that team to be level on record in the NFC East. And that is huge for the Dallas Cowboys prospects because not it was almost exactly a week ago. It was a week ago that we had the conversation of, are you resigned to this Dallas Cowboys team sitting in fifth place? And as, as of right now, you can see the light and the way, you know, the, the opening that exists for you to no longer have to exist in that fifth place. You can maybe move into second, maybe even possibly, considering what, what you know, what kind of uh, record or what, what kind of schedule the Niners still remain to see, possibly even make it to that one seed if, you know, things bounce the right way. And so, in, the, in that way, yes, it does change the way that you view the NFC because maybe you have an opportunity to work towards a bye or at least be able to host um, in the postseason. And we've talked about a lot how good this Cowboys team is at home. Um, and you could, I mean, the, I was about to say the record. Yeah, the record does show that, in fact. But yeah. obviously the statistics and the ways in which they're able to score and the ways that they feel comfortable um, show up. This is interesting text on the truckwreck.com text line. Again, the number to text in is 877-881-1053. From the 214, they say, I still want fifth. And they don't give me any explanation. Please, 214, if you could continue, uh, give me more of your thought process there because I'm interested in that, right? If you are able to get to this place, one thing that it also could do for you, if you do, like, let's say you, you in fact, do and handle your business on Sunday and then you give yourself ultimately the opportunity and you get into the place where you win the NFC East. 
you end up being, let's say, second in the NFC. That then sets you up on a course to meet up with the Niners, not in the not in the divisional round, but further on, and maybe even and maybe in the championship round, which yeah. is the place where the Cowboys. This is that's almost the promised land for this period of time, right? Obviously, everybody's going to say the Super Bowl and winning that uh, that trophy. But with that being the case, right? It's been a long time since the NFC Championship game has been um, set foot upon by your Dallas Cowboys, and I know there's a lot of Cowboys fans for whom that is the only metric of success. And winning the NFC East would give you an opportunity to have a better a better path towards that place and not have to face. And I understand, like some people think it's it's weak or it's soft talk to try and avoid people. But I think it, there's something very particular that you could talk about with these Niners where the last three times you played them, you lost to them. And it feels like you lost in a way that was not necessarily just they had happened to beat you, right? It felt like there was something in addition, right? And so I don't, I'm not saying I don't think you're capable of winning against this team, but I mean, it makes it easier if you don't have to face that challenge until, until later on when you have more opportunities to get, you get yourself in the place where you feel great about it. Um, and so, yeah, and they respond back to two and four says, I don't think we're getting to one. So if we do, I want uh, that, of course, but the NFC South game is where it's at for me. And I, I get that, right? The opportunity to play one of the teams that's worse, but I think, what, at least for me, and I'll let you get in here because I realize I'm monopolizing this segment at this point. Because <laughs> uh, I'll ask this as a question: Is is there any of the other teams in the in the NFC outside of maybe? Let's just keep it to these two teams that we're talking about that faced off on Sunday: the Philadelphia Eagles and the San Francisco 49ers. Is there any other team in the NFC that you'd believe, assuming that your Cowboys are playing some facsimile of the way that they're playing right now, that you're that you believe poses a challenge against these Cowboys? Ooh, um, you know. Because I think it really came down to situational football, and I think you did deserve the win that you got last Thursday, the Seahawks. I I could totally see that. And that's a team that is playing a lot better than they did on Thanksgiving Day uh, against the 49ers, of all people. And they've got the 49ers coming up in their next game on December 10th. So um, that's going to be a fun matchup there. But the Seahawks are ones that, you know, if Geno Smith keeps playing at that level, I totally would not write them off because Geno Smith doesn't like when you write him off. That's right. Um, he won't write back. Yeah, because he won't write back. And I think that's one of the teams, one of the only teams really outside of the two that we already just talked about that you look at the playoff picture for the Cowboys and you really bat an eye. Uh, the other teams around the NFC, I just don't really see anything that after this past week gives me any kind of scare. Ooh, a good name brought up, the Packers. As a potential team, they are coming on a little stronger. You did see a little something from Jordan Love over the last few weeks that makes you look at him and say maybe they did, in fact, find their quarterback. Yeah. Um, and so the idea of maybe they will continue on with him, especially if they could get something, uh, I guess let me not go into like the contract negotiation, something like a Geno Smith uh, deal or something yeah. where it's very clear that he's the starter. However, it does not lock you in in such a way where you have to commit full fully to him for an extended amount of time. Because um, it does seem like he has a little something. Maybe, just maybe. But I think also when you consider, it's easy when we kind of have a myopic view of it from the Cowboys. We're close to this. Yeah. And so we can talk about the good things, but we often talk about like the littlest nitpicking things because you want this team to get better. And of course, you're going to focus on all the different things. You look around this league this year and there are no perfect teams. There is no team that you know is... Um, always on their P's and Q's 100% of the time. There's a lot of weak spots that, you can, that you've seen through 13 weeks of National Football League play. And with that being the case, if you if you get this team that has realized what they are on offense, and especially if you view that game against the Seahawks as one of those te- things defensively where 
sometimes, you know, you just get a game where you don't show up in the way that you should. Um, this is one of the better teams, if not one of the best teams in the NFL. And I understand that you can say that, the, you know, there's not necessarily a resume against good teams. We've had that conversation a lot. But if you just look at the way that they play, there's a lot. There's a lot of good football within this Dallas Cowboys team. And I put them against the Packers feel good about it. Yeah. And I think that where I'd get scared there is if it's in Lambeau. That's where I'd get a little bit more nervous, you know, cold weather and just the history that the Cowboys have yeah. with Lambeau Field. No, but on top of that, you're you're right. Like, football is one of these weird things in the NFL where a majority of the season is played in certain conditions, and yep. then the postseason is played in entirely different ones. And yep. so, like, pass-heavy teams, you see it sometimes. You get to the postseason, and this kind of changes the way that you play because of the elements of factor into that passing. So, okay, I, I hear you on that. That's fair. Uh, from the 214 real quick, do we not fear the Lions? Not as much as I used to, honestly. Uh, I just don't know if they're built for January. And it's starting to show a little bit more throughout the season. They had a good get right game. Hello. Uh, <laughs> this week. But yeah, I mean, I respect them. I just don't fear them no. the way that I, I did at the beginning of the season. Yeah, no, I, I no. Uh, but I, honestly, the idea, I asked the question, not necessarily to parse all the individuals, because look, that, that's fair. But I think more to point to the idea of, um, I don't think that this team needs to be matchup hunting outside of like the idea of, hey, man. If you can get to a place where you still want to play the Niners, of course. Yeah. But if you can play them in that big stage where you've re- you've had some level of accomplishment, I think that'd be really good as well. And that's what you ha- – the door has opened up through this game where the Niners beat the Eagles. So, there is that. Um, I, I know that coming into this on Friday, I was saying that – I was making the argument at least that, you know, if you were trying to decide from a Cowboys perspective which team you wanted to lose – the Niners might not be an awful choice because I understand that that would have put you know the Eagles further ahead of you, but we both know how vulnerable the Eagles are, as you saw. The Niners are one of those teams where I would like to see more cracks in that facade because, you know, as I mentioned, when they have all their guys healthy, that looks like a really tough thing. But anyways, I, I, I think, at least from my perspective, this does feel like it changes the NFC, the landscape, this game. It absolutely does to me. And a great conversation to get us off and running here on the Get Right until 11 o'clock tonight. And coming up next, it was such a weird Mavs weekend. Any takeaways or is it all just noise? We'll talk about it next on The Fam. This segment of the Get Right is brought to you by Frankel and Frankel. Life is unpredictable and accidents happen. Frankel and Frankel are the go-to attorneys for car and truck wrecks in the DFW. And if your loved one have been injured in an accident, contact Frankel and Frankel for a free consultation at truckwreck.com or call 214 or 817-333-3333. A 28-0 run against Golden State. They've now tied wow. the longest run in team history. Oh! Straight. Luka just picked the pocket of Chad Hogan. 
a franchise record and the longest since 1996. Incredible. A weird night and a weird weekend for the Dallas Mavericks uh, this Saturday as they hosted the Oklahoma City Thunder and somehow found a way to lose despite all of that momentum. Don't do um, that. Yeah, Don't I'm do sorry. that. I know it's your show. You're I'm off sorry. the show I, tomorrow. I, I regret it. That's how wow. Yeah. Wow. See, he I'm makes all the decisions here. around here. Getting you out of here. That's just for that. Man. Yep. Well, you can hear me 10 to 2 tomorrow instead. I guess that's where I'm going to get relegated. Let's right. <laughs> get right here on 105.3 The Fan. Let's talk about these Mavs because it was a weird weekend for this NBA team that resides in Dallas as they fall uh, to the Oklahoma City Thunder 126 to 120 despite a historic 30-0 and run well, you talk in about the fourth that. quarter. Let's not forget, right, the weekend did not just start on Saturday. You also had Friday. This, this was a back-to-back situation. Yes, so it was. Friday, you hosted uh, the Memphis Grizzlies. And, of course, you did that uh, without, without Luka Doncic as he was welcoming his daughter to the world. You did that without Dante Exum as he was welcoming his child to the world. And then Tim Hardaway Jr. has been out. And so in that game, you found a way, and it feels feels bad to say it that way, but in, in some effects, like, you know, you come in as the favored team, even though you do not have, you know, portions of your, you know, of your team, and you lose against the Memphis Grizzlies, a lowly team who also has a lot missing due to injury and such. And then, like you mentioned, you had uh, a Thunder team that came in that was really good Thunder team, uh, but... You were able to go on a 30-0 run. You have this, like, big emotional run after, you know, having a, a rough start of it and not having Kyrie Irving in this game after he kind of tweaks his foot in the game on Friday. Come back, and then ultimately you cannot close out this game. And so with that being the case, was there anything over the course of that weekend, those two games, the various personnel issues, or, you know, I guess issue isn't the right word, but the various personnel things that went on. Is there anything within that that you felt was notable, anything that you took away from this? Goodness gracious, the Lightning are just scoring all the goals. Uh, for nothing uh, at, in, um, in Tampa. The, the the lightning over the stars. But was there anything of this weekend that you took away, or is this just all, you know, you weren't you didn't have your full roster in the way that you wanted to. It's not worth uh, talking about. This is all just kind of noise. Keep moving. For me, I think it's for the most part just noise because you were, as you mentioned, so depleted in terms of personnel. But um, I think there were like. I, I hate being the moral victories guy, but mm-hmm. I, I feel like you did actually see some good basketball from your team, especially in the latter of those two games against the Thunder. Uh, you got some valuable contributions from some guys that I didn't expect to have to be in that position this early in the season. I mean, when, if you told me that Derrick Jones Jr. was going to be playing 33 minutes in this game, uh, I would tell you, oh no, something has gone horribly wrong, and I don't know why I'm going to get there. He was knocking down all the three-pointers. 24 points in 33 minutes on an off night for Grant Williams. You needed a guy to step up. You got that. A.J. Lawson out here draining open look threes was really nice to see. Uh, and then Derek Lively had himself a game. Yes. Uh, he had a, a few game blocks. and a half, in fact. <laughs> yeah. Had some blocks to go along with a 20-point double-double, 16 boards. Wait, did you say some blocks when he had seven whole blocks? Yeah. Okay, yeah. very good. Yeah, I was intentionally understating. Okay. Uh, he had himself a game. And it it's incredible to see what he continues to do at 19 years old. And it definitely felt like that game that you needed to see something from a guy like a Derek Lively because you are so depleted. And you needed that action underneath the rim because 
you're not going to get any contributions from a guy like a Kyrie Irving who wasn't playing, who wasn't going to attack the rim in a way that we would like to see. And we talked about it at some point last week uh, on this show about, you know, the Mavs getting close to the rim versus getting to the rim. Yeah. And it's nice to see that you're getting a guy even in just a a one-game sample size that is getting to the rim and actually scoring some points in that attack. It was nice to see that Jaden Hardy didn't give you too much, so you were getting some contributions from a guy like even Seth Curry knocking down some tougher shots beyond the arc. So, like, I, I like what I saw despite the final score. It was just cool to see that, hey, some of your better players and your key contributors weren't playing in this game, and you still got some valuable contributions from guys that... You typically wouldn't expect that from. Yeah, I think that there's definitely some positive takeaways to take away from this game, even though I, I, I think we have to narrow it down, right? There are early portions of this game where it does not look like anybody else is particularly helping, and we we are back in this place, in this space, where because Kyrie Irving isn't there, Luka Doncic is having to carry it. And let me press pause on that positivity that I was going to spread. This is some of the potential takeaways that you have to think about. This is not the first time this season alone that we're talking about Kyrie Irving and his foot or his feet and, um, you know, maybe missing time. Like, this is a dude who, in you know, when you were acquiring him, the concern was him showing up to work, and it wasn't simply the, that one thing that everybody talks about. That obscured it because that was such a big, like, you know, narrative thing. Yeah. Obscured that he has some injuries. And, I mean, look, he's a dude who's played a good amount of basketball in his career and, you know, over that time, you know, you will accumulate some injuries. He has, I, I don't want to call him injury prone, but he 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 will miss some time with injuries. And so the question needing to be, like, this team was built under the understanding that you have two pillars, Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving. And is this going to be something that nags and lags on? Is this going to be something that perpetuates itself is going to be a question. Um, but then also within that, that run, the 30-0 run, I think, we saw something in there. You talked about, you know, putting in the guys, Derek Jones Jr., who is, I mean, he feels like he's going to be your consistent starter on the wing. Um, it's good seeing him knock down threes because that's what's going to be necessary for him to be on the court. What I did like is seeing Derek Jones Jr., seeing uh, Omax Prosper get a little time, seeing A.J. Lawson, dudes who have a little bit of size, have some length, help you defensively get you back into that game because that was the thing. This is the thing with the Mavericks that we all look at and we go, that's the big question mark. That's the thing with this roster. And one of the things you saw was them getting into passing lanes, them being able to execute a defensive vision when they were going and trapping Shea Gilders-Alexander at the point, uh, you know, once he gets across the timeline and making other players on the team do things. And then when they pass, get in those passing lanes, get out on the break, go get uh, easy transition buckets. Like those are the things that you saw in like a small sample, obviously, but it, it gave me some level of hope that, okay, there's proof of concept. Can you guys maybe still give that kind of effort and be, get into the passing lanes and do that as a team collectively um, in a way? Because those are things that are going to be necessary to make this defense better, and that's what's going to be necessary for you to do any level of competing this season. So that's one of the things. Um, on the truckwreck.com text line from the 214, they also mention A.J. Lawson. And on the other 214, they say it's mostly noise. They're going with you. But the concerns, defense, and injuries, especially Kyrie. Yeah. So I'm with you there. Um, and I guess you can. I was talking about maybe some of the positives in that little run, but some of the negatives were Shea Gilders Alexander was cutting you up yeah. on defense on Saturday. Oh, cool. And on Sunday, the thing that got me is Desmond Bain, who is a great shooter, TCU alum, obviously. Shout out, right? Uh, great shooter. He can do a little bit off the bounce, but this is not a guy that you look at as like a slasher of any sorts. And he was driving down your throat consistently. And so, yeah, th- those defense uh, defensive concerns 
remain. Uh, and obviously, so, you know, that, that run is a good thing, but it can't be runs. It needs to be more consistent. It does, and I'm sorry, quick aside. Please do. I'm just looking at the box score yes. of the Grizzlies game against the Mavs. Mm-hmm. Remember when that dude David Roddy absolutely pulverized them last season? Was that one or two times? Because I'm trying to remember. I know I, that there were some folks that were like, I, I really do I think hate it was David two. Roddy. Yeah. 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 I just, it, it takes me back to fall. It was amazing. Which calls. honestly speaks, <laughs> it really does speak to how much uh, the Memphis Grizzlies are in a bad spot because David Roddy was a very nice piece to like kind of throw in yeah. the rotation. But this year, they've had to depend on him in a way. Like, they, they've been looking for him or Concha or Santi Aldama to, like, really play for them. And that speaks to the injury issues that they have had. Yeah, they've had all kinds of issues uh, over there in Memphis so far this season. But um, I do like the point that you brought up about the defensive efforts, especially in that Thunder uh, game. Because that 30 to nothing run doesn't happen without some key stops. And it wasn't just the Thunder weren't knocking down their shots. It was great uh, rim protection from Derek Lively. It was Luka poking a ball out. Well, like, some of it was them knocking down their shots, but at least they they weren't attack you down the middle of your defense. Exactly. And, and that's, that's what I was happy to see was, you know, it wasn't one of those just a totally off shooting night. You got some actual contributions there on the defensive end in that run so and it's guys that are coming off the end of the bench too it's not your exact your front five that you're expecting to at least give that level of effort late in the game and it's incredible that that all went down in the fourth quarter too at least you know that this team can stay competitive when it matters and really impressive that Luca, you know missed a game because he was welcoming his child into the world and i bet he did not get much sleep willing to put money on that sure and he came back and played all but two minutes in 46 that game. minutes um, <laughs> that was impressive if you do want to speak on Luca and like the maturity right obviously having the child but like that's the narrative part of it one of the things that's tough though is like you he spurs and he really does drive this run and as you heard when we played it on uh, the audio coming into this segment he was the one who capped off the 30 to 0 with a steal and then getting up the floor and finishing in transition, right? He was the one who capped that run, but he also allowed a missed call in his estimation to kind of throw him back off his game in a yeah. certain instance. And so he's been better about that this season, it feels like. Um, but he does need to continue to make sure that he's not allowing, um, I guess, tiffs or, uh, you know, with the with the officials or what have you to throw him off his game at all, especially in instances like this where hopefully you don't have to have very many instances where he is the entire lifeblood of the team because there's not another engine that can kind of make things go. Um, but this was one of those instances, and if you get off because you are the main you know, distributor, you can kind of mess a lot of this up. And so that that was a little disheartening. But again, I think ultimately there is there's a decent amount of noise, but I think that there's there were some things that uh, I thought could be some level of takeaway from this weekend especially because you have a couple of losses, which was unfortunate. Um, And so now your Mavericks are in this place in the West where um, they currently sit at sixth, right? So this is different than uh, the second place that they sat after, you know, a portion of their schedule. They're they're now in this place where they're right about where I think uh, some of us anticipated they would be at the start of the season. Of course, that doesn't mean that this is where they'll stay, but I think it's interesting to see that portion of it. Uh, the Mavs' next take on the Trailblazers, or sorry, the Jazz, the Utah Jazz, and that's on Wednesday at the AAC. 7.30 tip then, and then the Trailblazers on Friday on the road. So we'll see if the Mavericks can bounce back and hopefully get a little bit healthier. Uh, that would be nice. And also, the Dallas Stars not having a good time uh, because uh, Andre Vasilevsky, 
yeah. is still fantastic yeah. against these Dallas Stars, at least tonight. Um, he has been I, – I watched – they had a nice breakaway in a, an attempt to try to get him – uh, looking and he has just been fantastic. It was really the the Stars' best chance to score earlier in the third period, but it's four to nothing in the waning moments of the third period. This is a little and, get back for the eight one final on Saturday. Yes, it absolutely is a four nothing blanking. It looks like that's kind of gross, but uh, it is halftime as well on Monday night football fourteen apiece between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Jacksonville Jaguars. We will take you on a trip around the NFL. Uh, coming up next, where we will let you know about Shaq Leonard and where he is going. The Jets want another quarterback switch and more on the get right. This segment of the Get Right is brought to you by Classic Chevrolet. Classic Chevrolet is leading the way to finish the year number one in America. They're racing hard with year-end savings on over 400 Silverados. Shop them all at ClassicChevrolet.com. This is Texas. This is Classic Chevrolet. Find new roads and relax and enjoy the difference. Back here on the Get Right on 105.3 The Fan. About to take a trip around the NFL. Get you the latest news and notes around the league, including this Monday night football matchup. Uh, that in just a moment. The truckwork.com text line is 877-881-1053, 877-881-1053 to get involved in any and all of our conversations as well as Twitch and YouTube. Dallas Fan Cam on Twitch and 105.3 The Fan on YouTube. But let's delay the inevitable no longer and take a trip around the NFL where we are back from half between the Bengals and the Jaguars on Monday Night Football, knotted up at 14 apiece. The Jaguars possessing the football first on offense to start the third quarter, where we do have a little bit of news out of that game. As Reggie has told me that Christian Kirk, the wide receiver, has been ruled out of this game with a groin injury. Yeah, so. sustained a groin injury in this one, and so he's he's done for the game. It's It's tough because... Obviously, Calvin Ridley is the bigger name on this team. Yeah. Obviously, you know, played really great when he was with Atlanta, had the gambling thing. They released him and now, you know, or sorry, they they traded for him. The Jaguars traded for him from uh, the Atlanta uh, Falcons when it was apparent that they kind of wanted to move off him. Um, and he has, like, big play potential and he has those kind of tools. However, the more consistent name that is factored into the way that this offense works, even though it's like a defensively-led team, with the Jags is Christian Kirk, so that's that's a tough blow to this uh, Jaguars team in this game um, against uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. And it's actually been a pretty competitive game, impressive so far as they are knotted up at two scores apiece. But a nice third and one stop by the Bengals defense uh, on a running back dive up the middle for the Jags, forcing a punt. So we will keep you updated on the rest of that game. And nobody cares about my fantasy team, but feed Evan Ingram. Uh, Elsewhere around the NFL. Yes, Shaq Leonard has made a decision and it is not the Dallas Cowboys. He will be signing or has signed with the Philadelphia Eagles, the former all-pro linebacker. Uh, The team announced that they have signed the former all-pro linebacker today. 
And he previously visited with the Cowboys last week, earlier last week, came to the star, had lunch with Jerry Jones. The whole nine went to Philly the next day. Uh, This all coming after he was waived by the Indianapolis Colts back on the 21st of November after spending the first six years of his career there. It doesn't feel like he's played that long, but um, he's made four all-pro teams, so it probably should feel like he has played uh, that long. But he has had some recurring back injuries that derailed a little bit of that success, lost his step a bit, got upset about his playing time this season, was very vocal about it, forcing the team to waive him. He clears waivers. He has his choice between the Cowboys and the Eagles, and even after that ass-whooping, uh, he chooses the Eagles. Yeah, I, I think some of this is like where he where he felt needed and felt like he had opportunity. You yeah. mentioned that, you know, leaving the Colts was part because he he wanted more opportunity to play, and it, feel, it feels like in the system that they were utilizing the Colts, he probably didn't fit that as well as uh, you would want. And so I, I think even with these instances, or, you know, with the Cowboys and the Eagles, yes, we know that the Cowboys need more linebacker depth, um, but I think, you look at it and you talk about it as depth, probably. And I think that they, you know, Marquise Bell has played really well stepping into kind of that linebacker role. Um, I wonder if Shaquille Leonard looked at this and said, okay, you have a couple of guys that you probably are going to feel more comfortable continuing to run with. We talked about the Eagles and what they have is they just have a problem in the linebacker situation. Yep. And so I think he might have more opportunity to get on the field immediately and maybe more consistently with the Eagles. And I wonder if that's ultimately what it came down to. I don't know that that makes it feel any better for anybody around these parts, uh, but I think that well, at least when you put it that way, it probably doesn't make you feel like he picked them over you because he liked them more necessarily. I think that it was it was just more the circumstance. Uh, it's a one-year deal for that man. We don't know what the uh, the details are on, of it, but I imagine whatever it was, it does seem like the Cowboys are willing to uh, you know meet the compensation. That seems very much more about the role. Absolutely, and you mentioned that they have a problem at linebacker do the Eagles, and that's because guys like N'Kobe Dean and Zach Cunningham going down earlier in the season, and you saw that exploited even as recently as yesterday against the 49ers uh, where they abused mismatches against guys like Nicholas Morrow and Christian Ellis. So uh, Debo Samuel absolutely torching them over the middle. Uh, and good offensive coordinators are going to find a way to do that. But you mentioned maybe that's part of the reason why or maybe the reason why the playing time. Uh, there's also a bit of history with Nick Sirianni and Shaq yeah. Leonard as uh, Nick Sirianni spent time as the offensive coordinator of the Indianapolis Colts. And when he was asked about his relationship with Leonard last week, he told reporters that they were, quote, very close and still uh, actively spoke to each other as friends. Uh, so... Probably multiple factors there, but I bet it did come down to, at its core, hey, I want to play. And it definitely felt like the Eagles were the landing spot where he would get the most immediate impact uh, possibility there. So good for him, but uh, not good for the Eagles because we don't root for the Eagles. So uh, he goes to the Eagles on a one-year deal. And speaking of another team that wears green... That has a problem. (laughs) The Jets have a problem at quarterback to the point where we got some reporting today. uh, This one that I'm reading from Diana Russini of The Athletic. She did break this on Twitter, uh, letting us know that uh, I mean, the Jets want to change quarterback and rightfully so. Yeah, Uh, they benched Zach Wilson. They put in Tim Boyle, who is. I mean, seeing him play, he's the worst quarterback that I recall seeing. And I don't say that with any, like, joy in my heart to say it, but it's just, like, as objective as I can be. And they saw the effects of that, ultimately having to bench him in the middle of that game uh, yesterday for um, Trevor Simeon, 
who is another one of those quarterbacks that probably, <laughs> you know, depending on how it's looked, you might be able to say something like he's one of the worst quarterbacks. Now, that's probably unfair. He's he's looked somewhat, I guess, serviceable, not like he want, you want him to start or anything. And so it's according to the Athletics Diana Rossini, she said that, you know, the Jets want to make another quarterback change and leaning towards, of course, Zach Wilson, um, who would be probably your best option there, understandably, understanding that, uh, you know, they have not made a lot of decisions that would give them better options. Hello, Joe Flacco. And although she stated that <laughs> Zach Wilson had hesitancy. That was part of her report. Yeah. Um, head coach Robert Sala apparently downplayed that this uh, earlier today when he was talking to reporters saying, quote, if he was reluctant to play, he wouldn't be here. And so that's that seems like what's going down. But I, I, I don't believe Diana Rossini to be a liar or to like not be uh, thorough in her sourcing. And let's let's take her at her word there. If Zach Wilson is reluctant to you know play again, and I did see other reporting that said that maybe just maybe that would be about the idea of uh, injury risk. Can you blame him? Like that is not in a good offensive line. He's had to run around, and also like this has just been hellacious, hellacious for him yeah. um, behind there. Now, of course, you can also take this to a whole other place where this does not seem like this is a place where they want they necessarily want you beyond this year. Why would you go back out there and risk any any level of injury and also like more embarrassment? All great points, and uh, to go along with you, I'm not Aaron Rodgers. I don't believe Diana Rusina to be a liar, so um, I think that there is legitimate reasoning there, and like you said, this team does not want him around much longer, so why would you risk you know, what future you have left in the NFL, per se? <laughs> it's playing behind that abhorrent offensive line? Yeah, no, not for me, and... If that is the thinking of Zach Wilson, then good for him because I would not want to do the same either. So they're looking for answers at quarterback and not exactly finding them as we did get the reporting over the weekend from NFL Network saying, hey, that Aaron Rodgers thing opening up the practice window is cute and all, but probably most likely not going to happen. So Yeah, and I think that's more just because he's stated that he's not going to play unless they're within uh, contention. And this is... This is why it's, you know, it, this falls on the New York Jets and their decision-making. Like, they laid all of this out when it comes to Aaron Rodgers. When Aaron Rodgers went down, they very well should have at that time. They had plenty of opportunity to go and see if they could find other options that would be able to tie them over or help them out because you knew what you had in Zach Wilson. They decided to lollygag and wait around and believe that they could just, you know, make something happen with Zach Wilson. And you had plenty of opportunity to bring in other. I mean, Joe Flacco was brought in by the the Browns, and he looked passable. He looks like the best quarterback that the Browns have been able to play outside of maybe, you know, maybe when Deshaun Watson was playing the best that he ultimately looked this season. And so, I mean, he was with your your team last season, right? That seems like the easy path, and they did not go there, and now you're in a place where you decided to start Tim Boyle. Like That's not a decision that a, a team with options and um, you know the ability to control their destiny should have made. And so this is this is a problem of your you know your front office and your team as an organization. It's an organizational failure, and it does stink that ultimately the weight is carried by the players in this instance. Uh, can I throw one more thing here yes. and around the NFL? Uh, are you familiar with Michael Orr? Yeah, yeah. Grew up around him pretty much. Oh, really? Yeah, with that movie. Oh, okay. Blindside. All right. Yeah, know. not literally. I was like, I don't, I don't think you. Were I just watched in... that movie plenty of times. Okay, very good. Me. Uh, Michael Orr, uh, former NFL lineman, obviously, like you mentioned, you know the, you know the subject of the Blindside movie. 
Um, he demanded millions of dollars from uh, the Tuies, the couple that in, the, you know, obviously in real life, but it obviously was depicted, depicted in the movie by Sandra Bullock. Um, they took him in. And within that, you know, he said that they were withholding money and did not pay him money that he thought he was owed after, you know, from the successes and the profits of that blockbuster movie. Well, Sean and Leanne Tui apparently filed documents today saying, you know, as they continued their dispute, saying that um, Michael Orr has demanded money from them twice since 2021. And apparently they are claiming that he has been, you know, extorting them for money. In their legal response. So I, I love this as like the Uno reverse card that they're doing. It's like, no, we did we did not pay him. He was trying to extort us. And I, I'm I'm just look, I don't have an answer as to who is right in this situation. I choose to believe that it's probably Michael in this instance. However, right, I don't know for certain by any means. I do kind of love the idea of like, no, you're not gonna sue me. I'm gonna sue you. Like yeah. there's just something hilarious about <laughs> that level of retort in this. So yes, the Tui situation with Michael Orr. Has not gotten any cleaner. Will continue to be a mess. And you know what's good about messes? They can be kind of dramatic and fun to watch from time yeah. to time. <laughs> from our thousand foot view, it can absolutely be fun to watch. So I am going to keep up with that story because the adult Uno reverse card is insane. Uh, that's your trip around the NFL. A quick Monday night football update before we get out of here. Uh, 21 to 14 is the score now. Cincinnati Bengals ahead of the Jaguars after a 76 yard Jamar Chase touchdown hey man if you can get chunk plays with jake brown on the field yeah huh. absolutely the corner just absolutely sold out on a pass down the sideline to chase and chase just caught it and ran uh it was pretty fun to watch and a nice gritty in the end zone to celebrate after but coming up next on the get right we have week 13 nfl overreactions is the nfl mvp a 49er next on the fan T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during O'Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 
O'Reilly.